Good evening. Glad everyone is back tonight for Sunday Night Church. Woo! I don't know. Hey, it's a fun time. I'm not out there. Is there, I'm out there now. Hey, welcome to Sunday Night Church. I get a little cheer for it because Sunday Night's always a great group uh, to have together. You all have fun. You sing loud. You sit all over the place. So it's good. It's hard to figure out who to sing to. But at any rate, hey, we're going to worship tonight. If you would, um, it's going to, if you want a hymnal, it's hymn number six, Immortal, Invisible, God, Only Wise, Let's Stand Up. Words will be on the screen or hymn number six in your hymnal, and that'll work. church of singing that song of being a Methodist. I don't know. I don't know. It's one I sang growing up in a Baptist church, so but they hadn't. But um, let's try the next one. Beneath the Cross of Jesus. That's hymn number 291. If you want to follow the hymnal, sing all three stanzas.
Take a second and welcome those around you. Shake the hand of the, your neighbor. to your seat. This next song, I never got accused of being a Methodist on it, so uh, it's a good old Baptist song. Standing on the Promises, it's hymn number 335 in your hymnal if you want to follow along. I think I've about lost control of this crowd, but that's all right. That's all right. Standing on the Promises, hymn 335.
next song, you're going to have to take your hymnal. Because um, this is, this week, as many of you know, Bobby Guest, my administrative assistant, the one who enters the words and all the stuff, she had surgery this week. So I'm finding out, I'll through the week, what things I need to get done, gotten done, and um, I didn't get this one entered in the computer. <laughs> so, it will not be on the screen. You've got to use the hymnal for it. Um, it's a contemporary song from about 1972, um, which makes it not... Contemporary. It's hymn number 254. Hymn number 254, Holy, Holy. Um, I hope you guys know it. If you don't, jump in. 254.
Thank you, Greg, and let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22, Genesis 22. You know, we were singing that song, um, Standing on the Promises. Every time I sing that song, Standing on the Promises, I remember a guy said one day to me, he said, you're either standing on the promises or you're sitting on the premises. There's a major difference between the two, between sitting on the premises and standing on the promises. So y'all didn't think that was that funny. Maybe y'all will warm up to this before it's all said and done. Genesis 22. I'll tell you, looking at the text we had to work with this week as we walk through this, uh, there are so many rich texts to preach and to share about. I've heard a lot of conversations walking through the church today and, and this week. Had so many people say, you know, this is... This is great. Uh, I had a comment. Uh, somebody sent me a, uh, an email. Said, you know, I've read the I've read this many times, but it's just so fresh and it's so new. And reading it together means so much to be able to communicate together. And you know, uh, it, maybe you're maybe you're home and and you don't have someone in the home with you. That can be a, a different perspective, and, and you're reading, that's where we form these groups now, and, and uh, we've got other uh, ladies or other men that we're in association with that are, that are reading the same thing, and we need to talk about it. There's, there's so much rich stuff to talk about, and uh, just walking through the text this week, I, I was just reminded of, of how God redeems and, and how man messes it up and God still redeems and the love of God, the work of God, how God navigates and orchestrates uh, through circumstances to draw about a purpose. And, uh, and just when you think about uh, Rebecca and, and you think about Rachel and you just think of those two occurrences where man went and got a wife and, and how God worked through that. I mean, seriously, uh, let down, let down your, uh, give me a drink and, and here I'll water your, your camels too, you know, and, and, uh, just what a servant and servant's heart and, and so many messages in the text. And, and I, as I thought through and, and I just, I knew we had to talk about the covenant God that we, we're still under the covenant, the new covenant of Christ and, and, and we have a covenant making God that, that just affirms in my heart as I read Genesis and look at the covenant that God made, and especially the, the Noadic covenant, you're looking at the, the covenant of the rainbow, and we, we still see that covenant today right before our very eyes at the end of a storm, and, and we're assured, we're reminded that the covenant keeping God still keeping his covenant promise with us, not just in that way, but the covenant God that made that covenant still keeping the covenants that he's made. He, and I, once somebody told me today, he said, you know, I just never connected what you, what you talked about this morning, and, and I get it. I, 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 I'm learning every day myself as I read and study, and I'm making more connections every time I read through the Word. I don't know how many times I've read through the Word now, um, but I know I've read through it many times, and I'm still making connections. And, and, and one of the things that was said this morning was just the fact that this, this covenant was, was marked by God, and He walked through the halves of the, the animals there. And, and then man failed at that covenant. God kept His end of the covenant, but it cost God to put His Son on the cross at Calvary and, and him take that punishment and abuse for the, for the lack of us upholding the covenant. 
Uh, God did that for us. What a redeeming, loving God. And, and when I think about the covenant-keeping God, I, I think of when, when you've got a God who, who looks down, he's a spectacular creator, he's, he's a supreme ruler, sovereign judge, and savior redeemer of mankind. We see him in those, those views as we read the scripture. We continually see those things displayed about God. We, we also see man's failures. Um, and we see, where's some high points in life? We, we see that there are people in scripture who, who yield their life to God and they, they see the purposes of God working out in their very life and, and they become obedient. And not every story is a story of disobedience. And I'm like, okay, we've got a covenant God who's perfect, and, and he made a covenant, and Abram got it uh, eventually long line. He, he didn't get it fully at one dose. He got it along the way. He, he grew to understand more and more of God's covenant work in his own life. And, and Abram got to be Abraham, the father of, a, of the nations, which he, he didn't see fully play out, but he knew God was playing that out in his life. And, and we see where Abraham has a son, and... Oh, after a hundred years and 25 years of waiting for that promise to be fulfilled, because it was 25 years from the time God told him that he would have a son to the time that he had a son by, by Sarah. So what a time to wait. So, I mean, you ever give up on waiting? You ever feel like it's never going to happen? Like, I mean, really, is this going to work out? And uh, we see that, that uh, Abraham, he, he waited and, and uh, eventually he saw... Even though he had tried to help God along and he'd given man's response to the covenant, he saw God's response to the covenant through his son being born. And I just want to focus in on this text tonight just for a few moments and, and want to bring some parallels. And if you will, stand with me and let's begin reading in Genesis chapter 22 uh, with uh, talking about Abraham and his son Isaac. Verse 1 says, Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take now your son, your only son, to whom you love Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place which God had told him. Father, we thank you for your text of Scripture, and Lord, thank you for being able to have before us today in our language a Bible that we can uh, go back and, and see how things began in Genesis and, and, and see how you work through lives of people and, and through the covenant you made uh, to make a difference in all of humanity. God, as we dive in a little bit deeper to Abram, Abraham's life today and, and think about Isaac and, and think about what, what's before us tonight, God, stir our hearts and point our hearts towards you. Let us be all you've called us to be. Thank you again for this appointed time. I pray, Father, for your anointing in the preaching of the word tonight. May it touch the hearts of those whom you love. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. I want to just look in the, at this text. We see that God had a call 
on Abraham's life. And if I call him Abram tonight, you've got to realize this morning I was having a hard time making sure I called him Abram until he got to be Abraham. I was so glad to get him to Abraham this morning. And I may call him Abram all night tonight. I may not. But his, his name Abraham now. He's the father of nations. And, and he has become a father of Isaac. And he's got this son. And uh, he's, uh, he's being told by God to uh, be, as he's going to be tested, he said, as he said here, I'm take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go. So God's put forth a, um, a, a command on his life, and, and I, I want you to see that faithful followers, those who are following God faithfully, will be tested and can be tested. By God, we see that that uh, Abraham, Abraham was viewed by God as a man who would carry forth the promise. I, I said earlier today that if you were here, that God had told Abraham, "You need to position yourself where I can be, uh, where I can flow, and you can be the channel which the blessings flow to all the generations." And, and for in order for Abraham to be in the position that God called him to be. Abraham had to be obedient to God. Obedience is so important. It's so important. It's vitally important in a relationship with God that, that we see Him as supreme ruler. It's so important we see Him. And Abraham recognized God as supreme ruler in his own life. And, and he, he allowed God the position of supreme ruler in all aspects of his life. And I don't think that happened overnight. You, you can see it didn't happen overnight. It was something that developed as Abraham walked with God. God moved in Abraham's life through many circumstances. And he, he proved himself over and over and over in Abraham's life to where Abraham got to this point. Th this point where God tests him and God sends him to, uh, to do something that to us would be unthinkable. Man just wouldn't think of this on his own. And um, God, God does test him. Abraham is walking in love with God, but God brings the test. You know, a, a faith that can't be tested, one has said, can't be trusted. And Abraham had a faith in God after God had led him from Ur of Chaldean, 700 miles away to the land of Canaan and carried him through and provided for him and done all the things over the last many years that he'd done. God brought him to a place where he would test him and, and he would test that faith. Now, I want you to recognize, I've said this numerous times when I come across texts like this, God is not testing Abraham to see how Abraham will respond. Okay? We have an all-knowing God who, who created all and everything and every person. God knows the very thoughts and the intents of our heart. He knows us. God knows me better than me know me. Okay? He does. He knows me better than I'll ever know myself. He knows you better than you'll ever know yourself. He knows what Abraham's going to do here. So God's not testing Abraham to see how Abraham's going to respond. God knows how Abraham's going to respond. God's testing Abraham, so Abraham will find out how Abraham's going to respond. I, I've taken many tests in my life. I, I don't know how many years I was in school, but it was a heat. And, and you've been in school a heat, too. I don't even want to recount them right now. But in that time frame, I had a lot of tests. And, and you've had tests. Who loves tests? 
Oh, there's some of y'all that just, you're that A student. You love a test. Molly, do you love a test? No. Bob, yeah, I, I figured you'd point ahead. Bob loves a test. You know, we, some people just love a test, but I, I don't know. I, I find that more I'm tested, the more I realize, the less I know. I, I've got more to learn. I feel, I realize that when I'm tested, a lot of times it, it's an evaluation of where I am, and I recognize that I've got yet so much more to learn in my life. And Abraham was going to learn some things here before the Lord. As he is walking through this process, um, I, I'm, I'm sure he, he recognized the fact. He, he walked out in obedience. I'm sure he recognized the fact he wasn't going to win Daddy of the Year. Okay? He, he probably did not consult with Sarah over this conversation he'd had with God. Because God said, Abraham, take Isaac, your son, your only son whom you love. He loved Isaac dearly. You take him and you offer him to me as a sacrifice. Now, he was obedient. He had God in the right place in his life. This, the only way a man could do this is if he's got, positionally has God in the right place. He's got God right. He, he, what's he do? I mean, just look. He, he hears, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there uh, as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will, I'll tell you. And Abraham rose early in the morning. Early in the morning. Abraham got up. He didn't delay. That might have been a day I slept in. You would have too. I mean, we would have dreaded this moment. You, you know, you've had things in your life that you know you had to face. No way around it. You had to face a man, a work situation, a family situation. All of us have been faced with these situations of life where we know we've got to handle that. But, I mean, we, we avoid it like the plague. We don't want to address that. We don't want to face that. We're, we're fearful somewhat maybe inside. We're reluctant. We're not sure how things are going to work out. So we, we hold back. And Now, Isaac is his son. He loves his son. And he's just been told he's going to deliver his son on an altar as an offering to God. And, and you know that in his heart that, that had to be one of the moments where you're like, oh, you know, wow, really? Uh, no. I mean, everything within Abraham's flesh had to cry out and say no. But he was obedient. He got up early. And he went and did what God called him to do. Immediately, as, as, as it would come out. Immediately, he got up. He rose to go do what God called him to do. I want to ask you a question. Is delay or postponing, or waiting? Is delayed obedience really obedience? Or is delayed obedience disobedience? I've heard teachers teach and said, and I agree with them, delayed obedience is disobedience. If I tell my son, go do this now, and he him hauls around about it, that's disobedience. And, and so delayed obedience, and I've been caught in that. You might have been caught there before where you, you know you were supposed to do something, but you delayed, and it was disobedience to delay. I found God to be an on-time God. I found His timing to be impeccable and perfect. I found I don't always 
do what he tells me to do when he tells me to do it. But I'm learning more and more about uh, as, I, as I walk and journey with God that when he says do it now, he means do it now. He's got a reason for that timing. I, I've, I've told you some stories of my own life, and I've got many stories where I delayed a little bit and God showed me uh, how it would work out. And, and, and God did it without me. He, he showed me he didn't need me. He just wanted to include me. And if I was obedient, I could be on the front side of the blessing and watch it all unfold. So here we see Abraham, he, he's obedient to God. He gets up early. I wrote, he says right here in verse 3, Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac, his son, he split wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place which God had told him. He went to work. He got busy about God's business. There's a message in that for us. And it will apply in many different ways in my life and your life through circumstances of the week coming, the next month, the next year, the next years of our life. God tells us to do something. We need to rise early and get at it. Go to work about doing His business. You know, I think one of the things we delay the most about is sharing the gospel, the good news of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Most of us have experienced a time in our life where we felt like we should share Jesus or share uh, our life story, our, our experience with Christ with a lost person. And many of us have delayed that and, and postponed that, put off that. I remember there was a guy earlier in my, my years of being saved, he, he was in my life, he was a neighbor. And, and I knew God wanted me to share with him, but I said, well, I'll get to know him first. And, and I'll, I'll build a relationship so that I can have more impact with him. That's what I really thought. I thought that there's no need in rushing in the door with Jesus. I mean, he may lock me out. We never have a good conversation, an opportunity to really share with him. I'll just build a relationship with this guy and spend time with him. And I found that the more time I spent with him, the more comfortable I got with him not being a Christian. If I can just be honest. He was a great guy. Really a great guy. He, he did some great... And, and the more I got to know about him, the more I recognized that if I told him about Jesus, it was even going to be more convicting to him. And, and I let a year and a half, two years go by before I ever really did any work in legwork to share in Jesus with him. And I'm, I'm ashamed of that. I, I really am. I, I wish I had done that differently. I wish the very first impulse that I had to share Jesus with him I had done. I don't know how the outcome would have been maybe different than it was. But I've found that if we get comfortable with our friends and, and we, we, get, we spend more time with them, not telling them about Jesus, um, our flaws, we're going to have them, are probably seen in their life. And then we make all kinds of excuses why, well, I can't now. I just blew up at the office. Boy, now's not a good time to tell them about Jesus. You know, that kind of seems hypocritical. And, and we begin to put our life in there instead of just putting God in there and trusting the Lord that when He says, do this, He means do it now. Anybody got anything that's rolling around in your head where you know you've delayed or, or not been obedient when God told you to be obedient? No matter how difficult the task was, and I've never been, I've never been told to do anything like Abraham was told to do that, that I know of in my entire life. Nothing that even compares but I look at Abraham and I'm like, oh, wow, what a man. That when God told him to get up and take his son Isaac, he got up and split some wood. 
He saddled a donkey. He grabbed two helpers. He got his son. And he set foot for the journey. The faithful followers can be tested by God. And Abraham, Abraham did well. He, he jumped up and he went. He did what God called him to do. And, and we've just got to be impressed by the obedient nature of Abraham. But faithful followers also uh, trust in God. And, and they, they can trust God to provide. We see that uh, Abraham didn't have everything figured out. On the third day, verse 4 says, On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place. From a distance, Abraham said to his uh, young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we'll worship and return to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took it in his hand, the fire and the knife. The two of them walked on together. What a moment in time. There's a lot of things in this text, and I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't say this, that paralleled the picture of Christ. Uh, we can see that Christ is our Savior. And if you just put Abraham as the father and Jesus in the place of Isaac as the son, you can see so many parallels here, uh, typifying Christ and looking towards the cross of Calvary. But we see here Abraham's not God and Isaac isn't Jesus. This is a real man from the land of Chaldeans, Ur, who had learned to trust God. He's got a son he really loves dearly. Wait a long time for him. And he's being obedient in nature, but they travel three days. Three days journey. Can, can you imagine? I can't know that I can really grasp it, but can you just, as best you can, imagine three days walking with your son? Walking that road with him. I mean, every day you look at him. Every night before you go to bed, you're probably going to tell him something that's very important, how much you love him. And Every morning when you rise, you can't wait to get out of the sack to sit there and spend some more time with your son because it's just a few days' journey and you really don't know how far it is. And you spend time and you talk to him and you, you just, every time you look over the, the donkey there and you see him walking, you know, you're like, wow. Abraham knew what he was going to do. Isaac had, had not a clue. But we see that Abraham obediently walked and, and he, uh, he trusted God. He trusted God to provide. He had learned to trust that God would provide. He had seen God as a provider. God provided Abraham. I mean, God provided Isaac for Abraham. And though he, he told him he would and he provided. And, and I believe there's a large... Uh, a large saying here that we've got to grasp, a, a large statement here. Abraham believed that Isaac was God's, not his. That that, that child was God's. It was he, Isaac was a gift of God. Isaac was God's child. And, and Abraham trusted God with his own son. So we see that he trusted God to provide and he, he had his men with him and and they walked and, and uh, they, they headed that way and, and to, to find the place. I think it is so telling when we read this text and we see verse 5. Abraham said to the young men, those two that were with him, he says, Stay here with the donkey. I, and I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. 
Abraham's been walking for three days. Now he sees him. It's got to be right before him that he's fixing to offer up his son as a sacrifice to God. As heart-wrenching as that is and as, as troubling in, in, in his mind as it may have been, he found great peace with it being God who had told him to do this and he was willing to worship. He went to worship God. He saw the value of worshiping God. You know, there's... There's absolutely nothing in Abraham's life as we look at this that's more important to him than God, not even Isaac, his son. And I, that makes me evaluate some things in my life. And I hope it makes you evaluate some things in your life. What do you put before God? I mean, what's really important in life? Obedience to God, faithfully following God's will, His plan for your life. We have a God in heaven who looks down upon us. And, and we read uh, this morning on the stage when I was interviewing Nancy and Crystal. And, and Nancy said she read Psalm 139, a portion of that text to us, where God intricately designed us in our mother's womb. Before our parents even knew about it, God fashioned us together. He, he wove us in our mother's womb. He knitted us in our mother's womb. He made us. He formed us. It was His work by His hands. And He numbered the days of our life. And He saw us as valuable. He, he impressed upon us His own image before sin his image was unmarred. Now with sin, His image is marred, but to be redeemed by Him. And He, he impresses all that on us, and, and He says, I've got a purpose for your life. There's not a single human being that's ever been created by God that God didn't have a purpose for their life and a plan. And He says, I've got a purpose and a plan for you to prosper you, to, to, to do good, to be a loving God. Every good gift comes from the Father above, Scripture tells us. He is a, he is a, we sang about Him this morning when we sang He is a good, good Father. And He is a good Father indeed. A loving Father, a merciful Father, a gracious Father. And, and we, we see that and understand that in Scripture. And, and we, we see that He loves us, cares for us, desires to redeem us and, and live eternally with us. And there's going to be a day when, when there's no more sun, moon, or stars. And, and everything that, that we focused on will no longer be our focus. But Jesus will be the center of attention for eternity. And we're going to see the, the throne room of grace face to face. And we're going to experience the mercy and love of our Father and with, with, with no, nothing standing between us, just the fullness of His love expressed to us. And, and we, we see that, yet many times in our lives we put something in front of the One who's done all of that for us. We put work, finances, Family, friends, stuff, just materialistic items in our life. We, we, we put so many things, so many things invade the spot reserved for the Creator who loves us and wants to redeem us. And it's so easy to let these other things that are so insignificant in comparison to Him invade that spot. And when we allow those things of this world, those, 
those pools to invade the spot that God desires to hold. We don't find ourselves being obedient to God in the way that Abraham was. We, we never get to the point where the end of the story is. We, we never see the next point I want to make. Because faithful followers can be tested. They can be tested by God. And, and Abraham could be tested. He, and, and a faithful follower can trust God fully. There, there's no reason why we wouldn't trust God. He's got, he's got the best of intentions for us. And if we're faithful followers like Abraham is, we have a lasting treasure with God. He is our focus. He is our treasure. See, if we continue to read through this text, and I hope you read it this week, and I hope you know the story well, they, they came to the place uh, which God had told them, verse 9, it tells us, and, and Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Wow, what a moment. For Abraham and Isaac. The one being sacrificed and the one making the sacrifice. What a moment. I, I, can't, I can't even fully grasp the, the weight of that moment. And somebody asked earlier today, and I've got I to run off into it and do a little more study. How old was Isaac at this moment? I mean, if he was four, five, six, seven, that's hardened in his own regard. But if he's 30... Or so, it's even difficult in its own regard, too. No matter how you look at it, he's the son of Abraham. And he's being bound by Abraham. And he's being laid on top of the wood that he toted up that hill. And he's being sacrificed. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. That's the second time Abraham said, Here I am in this text. You know, it tells me a couple things about Abraham. He's in tune to the Spirit of God. He's in tune to the voice of God. He's listening for the voice of God. I'm sure at this moment he's longing for God to intervene. Abraham, Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked and behold behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up. For a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the name of the place, that place. The Lord will provide. And it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord will provide. Abraham's faith in God increased substantially, I'm sure, during this point. Abraham was willing to offer up his son. Fully obedient to God in this, this practice, in this time. I mean, he, he was walking in 100% faithfulness and obedience to God. But, but just can't you see Abraham being willing to give up everything that he had that he loved so dearly in his son 
he, he, uh, he, he was in, his faith in God was increased substantially. What a moment. What, what a moment for Isaac to recognize, my dad loves me like this. He loves me so much. I've experienced my father's love. But he loves the Father in heaven more than he loves me. And he's got, he's got God in the right place. And, and they would have told this story over and over and over and I mean, you know, it wouldn't have been a bedtime story probably for Isaac's kids. But, but in reality, this was a story that would show the goodness of God, the love of God, the provisions of God. When we see that, you know what, when you put God first, He'll provide. He'll never, never take anything from us. But He always provides for us. Now, I mean, I say that. I'm, I'm thinking out of the other side of my head. Yeah, he'll take sin from us. He'll take things that would distract us, things that would discourage us, things that would destroy us. He'll take things from our life. But it's God's desire to increase us, not decrease us. And he, we see that He increased Abraham at this time, he increased his faith, He increased his, his commitment. I'm sure going forward He had a greater trust in God than He had even in this moment. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, how in the world could a man trust God any more than Abraham trusted Him in this? But I know beyond this moment it was solidified, not only with Him, not only with Isaac, but also with those two guys that were with Him. I, I'm sure the three days' journey back there was a discussion. And some conversation. Let me give you a testimony. Can't, can't you hear Abraham now? Hey guys, y'all didn't see it all, but Isaac's got something he wants to share. Tell him, boy, what happened up there on that hill. You know, I mean, God provided a ram. He, he provided the sacrifice. And you know, for me and you, God provided the sacrifice. He provided the spotless Lamb of God. His own Son, He did not sacrifice. And he did not withhold. He sacrificed his own son. He, he didn't sit back and think about, well, this is going to hurt. <laughs> this is going to cost me dearly. He sacrificed his own son for us. The treasure that Abraham received went far beyond this life and his life even. It went so far as that Abraham will be multiplied, his offspring will be mighty and defeat armies, and uh, the obedience that Abraham exhibited here brought great blessing. But many men, though, many women never get where Abraham got. They, they never step out and trust God to the extent that God's calling them to trust Him. They withhold a certain point. They, they think rationally. They think, they think logically among our, with, our, with our world's thoughts and our world's wisdom. Instead of saying, you know what? I trust God and I'm going to step out in faith and see how God provides. God calls us to it. He'll carry us through it. I, I can remember the, some of the first days of my life and they've multiplied as I've gone through the faith walk. And, and you can give testimony of this too if you've been walking with Jesus in full surrender. There's been many times when my wife and I, we didn't see the other step. We, we had to step out in faith and God provided in amazing ways. Uh, there, there, it wasn't always clear. It wasn't always understood. We didn't, have, we didn't have the full plan. We just knew that God had called us to do something. And whatever the something was that God had called us, and we knew that, 
we stepped out on faith and said, I'm just going to trust God. Now, I wish I could say that was 100% of the time. That's the way it worked out. It, it didn't always work out that way. There have been times that I've held back. I've, I've thought logically with the world's logic. I, I've, I've missed it. And, oh, boy, do I hate those moments when I recognize I just missed it. I don't want to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. I want us to be sensitive and seeking the voice of God so that when we hear God say, do this, we trust Him. And we're obedient. And we don't delay our obedience, but we immediately obey God. There's another guy in the, in the storyline. Oh, I'd love to spend some time there. His name's Lot. Abraham's nephew. I don't have time to read his story to you. I just want to recap just for a moment what you read this week. Lot stood on a hill with Abraham. And Abraham said, you choose. And Lot chose, he chose that over the city life. He chose it. He said, man, that looks, that looks good. And he went over there to Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot settled in to Sodom and Gomorrah. It was a place of sinfulness place of disobedience, place that distrusted God's goodness in a great way. So much so that when the angels of the Lord went in to bring Lot out, the Scripture tells us he lingered. Lot lingered. And they had to take him by the hand. Can, can I tell you, there's a, there's a large difference between where Abraham was and where Lot was in their relationship with God. You can be like Abraham or you can be like Lot. Lot had so settled in his environment and the influence of sin had so impacted his life that he was more willing to linger in it than he was to leave it. And he lingered. That's got to be one of the most discouraging text that we read this week. And Lot lingered amongst all that sin. We saw the grossness of that sin displayed as God gives us a glimpse into what that city was dealing with. Just in that little display. Lot settled. In and around sin and it affected him. I, I just want to tell you, you... You can't say, well, I can be around it and not affect me. You get around sin, it'll affect you. Abraham was standing in a different place in his life. He was sensitive and seeking the Spirit of God, and he was obedient to God. Wow, that's the kind of man I want to be. That's the kind of people I want you to be. I want us to be some Abrahams. I want us to be some folks that are sensitive and seeking the the Word of God in our own lives and obedient, instantly obedient to God. And you know, we can do better when we encourage each other in that. When we, we encourage one another, we cheer each other on for obedience. There's a lot of people in this world that cheer on for disobedience. There's a large voice in our world that says, it's okay. Romans chapter 1, if you just read the very end of chapter 1, you'll see the downfall and the spiral of sin as it gets worse and worse and worse. Reminds me a lot of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and the last verse says there, and, and men gave hearty approval of other men in their sin. I, I don't want to be there. I don't want us to be there. 
I'd rather us be seeking obedience and surrender to God. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, that we have some uh, biblical examples before us tonight of, uh, of many men and women we've read about this week, but two we want to highlight. And Lord, we, we look at Abraham and thank you, God, for the picture of obedience and, and how you provided and, and how that pointed to Christ and still reminds us of the activity of Christ on a cross at Calvary. Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross so that we could be redeemed. And, and you, you stood in that place for us because we broke the covenant. God, you're a covenant keeper. Thank you so much for fixing what we messed up in our sin. God, I, I pray that we'll learn about obedience in our life. You'll test us, teach us what we need to learn in obedience. It's hard to be tested, God, but I'd rather be tested and know where I'm lacking and who I can turn to. And, and Lord, even to, to win at some tests and get, make a hundred on them is really cool when we pass the test and we see you as great provider. It encourages us uh, to walk more closely to you. Lord, don't let us wind up like Lot, lingering in sin and allowing the world around us to pull us down. Lord, help us to be like Abraham, seeking an opportunity to go up on a mountain and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. I hope you have an awesome week. And we'll see you, see you Wednesday night for some more discussion in classes.